Every business comes to life through its service experience. Your business success depends on whether your customers are loyal to you. That's where real value and profit is created. Great companies ubiquitously have great customer experiences. A thin red line divides those that invest and consistently deliver what their customers need and those that fail and get disrupted. In competitive and challenging times, leaders need to double down on their customer experience. Learn and grow the value you create. Grow your success. Be on the right side of that thin red line. This is the CX Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and customer experience guru, public speaker, and author. Your business success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to the CX Guru. I'm Eric McCroskey, your host, and I'm extremely happy to have with me Professor Dr. Mark Colgate from the University of Victoria, uh, who's written probably one of the best books I have read in the last few years around the customer experience. His book, The Science of Service, was published in uh, 2018, very recent stuff. But what makes it phenomenal is it's not just an exceptional read. um, It also has great insights. And I really love that it's anchored in research, not just one-time experiences like so many books have been written on it. So, Mark, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into customer experience and what inspired you to write this book? Well, thanks, first of all, for having me uh, on the podcast, Eric. Um, so, so what got me into uh, customer experience was that uh, I, um, I moved to New Zealand when I was a, was a, was a youngster, um, sort of 20 years ago, and I started working with financial institutions uh, in New Zealand. And I, I kind of played this role where, you know, you kind of get these uh, – customer advocacy advocacy agencies who really talk about this is what we should be doing for the customers and then the banks are saying no 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 we have to be doing this this is you know we have to make some money and I was kind of being that person in the middle of saying you know reality is somewhere in the middle that you know banks can be doing a better job but at the same time you know there's a reality in terms of uh, you know customers need uh, you know a, a particular approach that, that will enable them to choose a bank that, that is best for them and I really realized then that you know, there, there is a, such an important role to help organizations um, see customer experience from a different point of view. As soon as you become a leader or a manager in an organization, you see customer service very differently. You don't see it from the customer's point of view anymore. Mm-hmm. You see it from your own point of view. And so enabling organizations to continue to take a step back and say, what's it like to be a customer? What's it like to go through this experience rather than seeing it from your own point of view, I think is incredibly valuable. And then as a professor... You know, what I also realized was, uh, particularly when my time at uh, Commonwealth Bank, where I was the general manager for customer satisfaction, is that they don't un- they don't look at the science. You know, leaders and employees are incredibly busy. They don't have time to dig into the science of customer service and, and understand that. So I really realized there was a chance to help organizations appreciate the science behind customer service as well. And uh, Eric, we often know there's a science behind psychology and economics, right. but there's also a science uh, behind customer service as well. I, I, I completely agree. And I think your book does very good justice at, at looking at that, but also integrating the science of psychology, behavioral psychology, and all sorts of different components and weaving it in. Uh, so, so I remember when we first met, I think it was almost a decade ago, uh, we had a conversation about the three R's and um, the three R's of service your book gives a, a fair bit of, of detail 
Um, and and I, I think it's worthwhile talking a little bit about what they are and also the order that they need to be established. Thank you, yes. Uh, so it's kind of the key framework uh, in the book. So uh, it kind of goes back to my last comment about the idea of, you know, there's a science to customer service. So when you look at the, you know, service quality, which is quality in the eyes of the customer, not, not what we think as an organization, mm-hmm. uh, you can collapse all of customer service into the three R's, which is um, relationships, you know, building strong relationships, giving customers your full attention, uh, making them feel important, um, asking great questions, um, responsiveness, which is speed and efficiency, keeping customers informed, uh, and then reliability, which is keeping your core promises, have, you know, having the right product or service knowledge. Your know, knowledge is table stakes uh, in delivering great service, uh, taking ownership of the customer experience, and then and then finally, under reliability, is that uh, probably the hardest challenge that organisations have, which is recovering from mistakes, so complaint right. handling, customer escalations um, as well. So you can collapse basically all of customer service under the three R's, relationships, mm-hmm. responsiveness, reliability. But the science also shows us that they come in a particular order. In fact, reliability is the most important one. That customers say, if you can't keep your core promise, then then the other two don't really matter. If you're, if you're unreliable, if you don't have the right knowledge, if, you're, if you make mistakes, if you're if, if you have accuracy problems. Uh, and I think a great example is Amazon, right? If they say your package is going to come on a Tuesday and it arrives on a Wednesday, you know, that's unreliable. And, and one of the reasons yep. people love Amazon is because they're so reliable. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, even in COVID-19, they've done a pretty good job of, you know, keeping, keeping to their promises. Then responsiveness is more important than relationships. If you ask customers what's more important to them, uh, you know, if they have to trade off between someone who is fast and efficient, but not very warm and friendly, or someone who's warm and friendly and slow and inefficient, they will always go for efficiency first. So reliability right. is most important, then responsiveness, and then relationships. And that framework gives us a really simple structure in which to, it enables us to do uh, three things. Number one, it enables us to teach the basics of, you know, what great service looks like uh, in the eyes of the customer. Number two, it builds that consistency. You know, the uh, consistency is really sits on the throne of customer service. Some people say the customer is king, the customer is always right. right. But really sitting on the throne of customer service is consistency. When, you know, each employee delivers a high level of customer service, every interaction, every single customer, then, you know, you've really done an awesome uh, an, an awesome job. So building that consistency, um, but also it provides you a playbook in which to coach your mm-hmm. employee. So if you're a leader and you're observing someone in a service role, then you know what to look for, right? You know, you, right. Need, to, you, you need to look for, you know, how reliable they are, what their knowledge is. Are they good at handling customer problems? Uh, do they keep the customer informed? Do they make it easy for the customer to do business with them? Do they build that strong and enduring relationship? So I think that three R's, you know, it simplifies uh, what we need to do under customer service and provides that consistency and then also provides a bit of a framework for uh, for coaching as well. And, and organizations that I've worked with, they seem to grab onto that relatively right. quickly. And I, and I think it's the simplicity, Eric. Uh, I, I agree. And I think it, it's funny because about 25 years ago, so when I started out in the airline industry, I kept fighting this concept that reliability was the number one. I was like, no, you need to, you need to do more. You need to surprise and delight. You need to do all these other things. And and then eventually I was like, no, I, I was wrong. And, and you're absolutely right. You've got to get the basics right. 
before you start layering all the other pieces, people, when you're buying an airline ticket, you expect to show up on time on the right runway without having to use the evacuation uh, <laughs> yeah. chute. You're looking for the basics. You're looking, yeah. That's really what, you, what matters, right? Totally. The quality of the food is interesting. The smile is interesting, but it doesn't matter if you don't show up the right day. Totally agree. And I, and I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that are crucial here is that organizations forget this. And I think it's just for the reasons that you said, you know, they, you know, obviously building relationships is crucial and uh, giving customers your, your full attention. And so they put a lot of time and energy into that. And then they're not as reliable as, as they, as they, as they could be. And, and, you know, the really simple example is you go to see a doctor, right? You've got right. something wrong with you. And they're fast and efficient. You don't have to wait long to see them. And they, and, uh, and they explain things really carefully to you. And they've got a great bedside manner um, and they're fr- very friendly. And then they misdiagnose you, right? <laughs> I mean, you're clearly, something's not quite right. So, yeah. uh, you know, that reliability bit is so crucial. And, and I think the thing is also, Eric, it's not, it's not very sexy, right? Being 99.5% reliable, that's, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, that's pretty boring, but that's the absolutely crucial bit which customers demand and a lot of organizations miss because they may be tripping themselves over doing uh, doing other things. I think it's a really important point that you bring up there. Uh, the other piece I'd like to, to touch on is is the concept of the nines and the tens. And I remember uh, the, the main takeaway I had, which is probably the wrong one, is that you're actually better off being a one <laughs> than you are. So you're actually better off being really, really bad than you are yeah. being a two or a three on a, on a 10-point scale in terms of uh, of service experience. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting point about the nines and the 10, because some people are fighting to be slightly better than others. I, I've talked to some banks, as an example, that are trying to shave off seconds on a call because they think that'll make a difference for the customer, but the customer won't notice the seconds that have been shaved. Can you can you introduce the concept of the nines and the tens? Yeah, so so this so this is again this goes back to the science, but this is a phenomenon. If you look at the research, if you look at what Xerox discovered, Enterprise Rent a Car, what we discovered at Commonwealth Bank is that you know uh, good service doesn't get you very far in terms of repeat purchases and recommendations. So if you think of a ten point scale, customers who think you're quite good, you know maybe a, a six or a seven or an eight, which means you you know you have been reliable. You know, you haven't, you haven't done anything wrong. Those customers aren't willing to recommend you because, you know, why, you know, why would they recommend you to someone if you haven't, uh, you know, delivered exceptional service? We want to recommend and, you know, buy from companies who, uh, who execute on all of the three R's and that gives you the nine or the 10. So good service, one in five customers recommend you. So if you get like a seven or an eight out of 10, uh, you know, not many customers are going to recommend you if you if you deliver nine or ten out of service, so exceptional customer service. Then you know, eighty ninety percent of customers are going to recommend you, and so the difference is phenomenal between good and great. And so the idea is that the three R you have to execute all of the three R's to get you to a nine or a ten. It, you know, obviously being reliable is crucial. But you don't have mm-hmm. any raving fans just by being reliable. Then responsiveness takes you a little bit further. So even though, uh, and I think this is the twist in the tale, even though the three R suggests that relationships is the least important of the three R's, probably the great differentiator, right? There are probably quite right. a few organizations who are reliable and responsive, but the ones that do all three, they're pretty rare. And so, you know, once you've executed, you know, reliability and responsiveness working hard to build that relationship 
giving customers your full intention, making them feel important, staying in touch with them. Uh, they are the things that really differentiate the organizations that get those nines and tens. And that's where those recommendations come into play. So basically it's not a, it's not a linear curve, right? You know, right. Uh, and, and just, and just to carry on your story, what the research also shows is that, the, you know, if you're down in the ones and twos, you get more people are willing to recommend you. But I think what it is, is that we recommend companies we hate to people we hate. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got we got our next door neighbors really annoying, and so we recommend companies that we don't like because uh, we want to make them feel bad. Which could be a business strategy, <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely not recommend it. Uh, so, so uh, in your book, you talk a lot about the importance of coaching, uh, and I remember when we we met, you you really brought a lot of analogies around coaching and the importance of customer experience. Can you share a little bit about your thoughts and your perspectives in terms of? what good coaching looks like for service? Yeah, that's an that's a excellent question, Eric. So, so again, um, so a lot of my time at, um, at Commonwealth Bank, um, I was involved on, on the coaching side. And I think what, I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of, of, uh, of coaching. Um, and I think the reason is, is because I, didn't, I, I, had no, I had no influence on it all. So, you know, we always take credit for the things that we, uh, that we, we implement ourselves, right? But I take no credit for this. When I got to Commonwealth Bank, they just started a coaching program and they called it a sports, uh, sports coaching program. What they meant by that was that they observed employees. So they like an athletic approach to coaching. And what I realized was this was an absolutely crucial part of running a great organization. You know, if you have a one-on-one with an employee and you coach them, but you haven't seen them in their role, you've got no data, that, right. it, it, you know, it's not a very powerful coaching session because, you know, you're, they're explaining what's happening in their world. You, you know, you're trying to interpret what they're, uh, what they're saying. You might have your own view of the work that they're doing, but you haven't actually seen it. And, and an athlete wouldn't really listen to a coach who hasn't seen them, you know, playing hockey or playing soccer or whatever, right? It doesn't have any credibility. So when Commonwealth Bank had uh, implemented this sports coaching program and they were actively in most cases, every employee area got 30 minutes sports coaching every single week. So think in a call center, uh, the leader would uh, listen to that employee on maybe three or, four, three or four phone calls for 15 minutes, and then they'll take them off the phone and do a post hoc coaching session. The difference that made was incredible. Uh, and then we, when we overlaid the three R's as the playbook, so, you know, how, you know, how, you know, were, you know were they... Uh, using the right knowledge were they accurate right. were they keeping the customer informed were they building that relationship that enabled us to continually give feedback to those employees so they could so they could raise their game and so ever since then i'm just advocating as much as i can um, to organizations to have a framework for customer experience and to coach uh, towards that particular framework because if, if you have a framework and you don't coach towards it then you know, how do our employees get better and better at delivering on that on that customer service experience? Uh, and if you coach employees, but you don't have a particular framework, a playbook, then what, what are you looking for when you're coaching? Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and, you know, you can still do a good job um, without a playbook, but it makes it so much easier because you know what you're actually looking for. You know what great looks like. Uh, right. And that enables, them to, you know, enables you to provide feedback. So I continually say that, it's not coaching that's the most important thing. It's the feedback that you that you provide. It just it just happens that coaching is a great vehicle to continually provide high quality feedback to an employee so they can continually raise their raise their game. So I I, I think it's such a mm-hmm. crucial part of uh, of of CX. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right because I think the you, you need individuals to continuously try to fine tune how they're doing and accept that there's always a better way to do it. Right? Wow. Toyota is a perfect example of this in a completely different space, but they rely heavily on coaching and involving people to say, how could you do your job better? But not necessarily saying, here's a secret sauce, do it. It's, it's just helping people figure out how to do their job at their ultimate level of performance. Love that. Yeah, because I think, you know, what we think is the secret sauce is often wrong, right? But our our mm-hmm. advice doesn't, our advice is not always spot on, right? It's much better if the employee can work it out for themselves. So if we provide them feedback and insight rather than advice uh, in terms of what we saw, then, you know, then they can own the commitments they make after that. So the crucial part, Eric, in the, in the coaching is that the, the employee makes a commitment as to what they're going to go away and right. work on. So they change their behavior because if there's no behavior change, then we're, we're just wasting our time with, uh, Absolutely. with with coaching. So that's that that's that crucial part. So again, I think your point is such an important one that we don't tell them what the secret source is. They kind of work out from their own point of view what they need to do to grow. And I think also coaching is just one of those really unique things, Eric, that uh, you do three things at the same, the same time. One, you build a relationship between the coach and the coachee, which is often a right. leader, which is great. Number two, you're increasing employee engagement because, you know, when I'm getting feedback so I can make progress and be better, then that's a great, great feeling. And then thirdly, you know, you're raising the game in terms of the customer experience. The customer is the ultimate beneficiary of that, of, of great coaching because now they're mm-hmm. receiving a better experience as well. And I, I would say there's probably... Not many things that happen in organizations when you do all those three things simultaneously and coaching enables you to do that. Excellent. Uh, you also talk about accountability. Um, can you touch briefly in terms of the importance? I think most organizations I've talked to struggle with accountability. They, they, they say they do it, but they don't actually do it. They fire people, but there's not really an accountability whether you do or not do what you're supposed to be doing. Can you touch on that briefly? Yeah, thank you. Yes, no, it's a great, great, a great question. So, you know, for me, accountability is the holy grail of any great corporate culture. You know, when employees feel a sense of ownership, that, you know, it's my responsibility to deliver a great customer experience, uh, then, you know, I think you've, you've started really to, to crack it. But, and a lot of people think that, you, you know, you, you, you hold people accountable. But you, all, all you can ever do, the best job you can ever do is build accountability. And that... And I think that building accountability comes uh, comes in, in three forms. Number one, um, making sure employees have really tight expectations in terms of what, right. what, what, what you expect from them and what's in it for them, right? So if they, they, there's a bit of ambiguity in terms of what is my, what is my leader uh, that I really need me to do? What does success look like? If there's ambiguity on that, then you know, how can they feel accountability uh, when, when they don't really know what look, what great looks like. Also, if they don't know what's in it for them, if I'm a success in this role, how does this help me grow inside the organization? How does this maybe help me move uh, my career in, in, you know, in, in the right trajectory? So any, any time you build the accountability where employees know what success looks like and what's in it for them, that's a great start, but that's only a start. The next piece then is autonomy. Um, mm. employees work best when they feel a sense of empowerment they can self-direct their own work nobody likes it when, a, when they're being micromanaged and, and the leader breathing down their neck so you know accountability is built by allowing people um, to you know have a sense that I can work this out for myself I don't always have to run right. with my manager 
for advice or to tell me what to do. And then thirdly, that, that accountability comes through that feedback. You know, if your if your leader is turning your uh, turning up and giving you feedback, helping you grow, uh, and and so they're now even clearer what success looks like, then I think now you really doing an incredible job of building accountability. Someone who knows what success looks like, they got clear expectations, they know what's in it for them, they feel autonomous, and they're getting continual feedback as to how to grow. Then now you have an employee who really really gets out of bed a little bit quicker to work from you. And maybe mm-hmm. for another organization. And I love how you touch on autonomy because there's even some research I was reading about um, how without autonomy, people feel a fight or flight response and their executive decision-making functions in the brains actually shut down uh, in some instances because they don't feel they have control over how they do things. So I think that's a really, really good point because you're not going to have success unless people are thinking critically in their jobs as well. Right. And maybe, and maybe that's what we're seeing now is with organizations in terms of CX, you know, in the COVID-19 world, you know, organizations are maybe that, that fight or flight and they're not looking maybe at the bigger picture or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how, how do we adapt successfully uh, in this COVID-19 world? What does is, what is a new customer experience look like? How do we invest in customer experience now right. and get ahead where maybe other organizations aren't paying attention to it. And so sure. this is actually an incredible opportunity for companies to invest in CX as well. Phenomenal point. Uh, and Mark, it was great having you on the show. It's been a long time since we actually met in person and it yeah. might be a little bit before we meet again and we're allowed to travel. And you did 10 years ago. I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right. <laughs> But uh, your, your book is phenomenal. If, if uh, you haven't picked it up yet, I really encourage you to pick up The Science of Service uh, by Dr. Mark Colgate. Phenomenal read, a great fast read to get good insights, good information, uh, and guide your strategy forward. So thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share your, your thoughts. Thanks, Eric, for having me on. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Hi, it's your host, Eric McCroskey, again, here on The CX Guru. If you've got a great idea for a podcast or you'd like to be on the show, drop me a line. Thank you for listening to the CX Guru on C-Suite Radio. Increase the value you create. Grow your brand. Drive your success. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Come back in two weeks for the next episode. Or listen to our sister show, The Ops Guru, with Eric McCroskey. Fuel your future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.